Hey guys, you're now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. Now we're started. All right. Um, take one. Yeah, take, take two, yeah, take three. Um, so today we're going to continue our discipleship teachings. We're almost done. Um, they are, depending on how far we get through this one, <clears throat> if we finish this one today, then we've got part seven and part eight. So if anybody wants to lead one, now's the time. There's two more. Dos mas. So talk to me later. Um, if no one volunteers, someone will there we go. <laughs> For what, Uh To teach, to lead one of these uh, <laughs> discipleship things. So, you know, reiterating the whole reason we're doing this is because we are called in the Great Commission to make disciples. Um, we're doing two things at the same time right now as a church. We're learning how to walk in the spiritual gifts and have relationship with Holy Spirit but also we're trying to learn how to follow the call of making disciples. Um, we can't do those uh, without the other. Meaning when Jesus promised the, gave the Great Commission, he also told them to wait in Jerusalem for power to come, that the promise of his Father would be given to them. <clears throat> Which, as we know, we've talked about this in a, a, for a, a while, is that uh, on Pentecost... When the Holy Spirit fell, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit given to the church, given to the apostles at that time, the disciples. And from that moment on, they had already received a measure of the Spirit when Jesus breathed on them. But at that moment, they received a, a filling that filled them with boldness and power. That was the difference. And so we are seeking boldness and power, not just for the sake of boldness and power, not just for the sake of being strong, mighty Christians that everyone knows. I hope every one of us is nameless on the earth, that people don't remember us, but they, when they think about us, they remember Jesus when they see us. That's the goal. Um, I always heard testimonies growing up of like, this person was walking through a grocery store and this homeless guy came up to him and started talking and shared the gospel with them and wrecked their lives. And then a minute later, they looked over and the person was gone. And you know, some people say, oh, it was an angel or... Maybe it was an actual person, you know. Who knows? We don't really know. It could have been a person like Philip got transported, you know. Um, but I always think about that, that that homeless guy lived a life of being a homeless person. Most people knew him as a homeless person, you know. They wouldn't have known him as a, a minister of the gospel. Yet his reward will be full when he gets to heaven. Because he's going to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's kind of just my own personal thing. I love the idea of just being nameless, that Christ like is Ananias, everything. Like Ananias, how right. he's the one that got to witness the right. all, but he's not mentioned anywhere else. That's so right. know he loved the Lord and lived a life of faith and obedience. That's right. That's right. Um, so, um, today, the... Uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I was telling... That's where I was. The reason we're doing this is so that these are eight sessions that you can take uh, people in your neighborhood or in your workplace or friends or family that you can invite them over to say, "Hey, I want to do a Bible discovery group with you. Can I? We just I want to read the scriptures with you, and you you don't have to believe anything. You don't owe me anything. I just 
if you're interested to see what it actually says and see if it's something for you. Let's look at it together. Um, most times when the Holy Spirit's highlighted a person, they'll be like, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Um, and so they come over to your house and for the next eight weeks, you share these, these basic tenets. They're, everybody's going to argue about what the basic tenets of the faith are and whatnot. If you, this is my thing. You are a leader. Each one of you guys is a leader. When you begin making disciples, you will be leading people um, to the Father. And so I'm going to trust your relationship with the Holy Spirit to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Um, but we also can thrive from structure. We can thrive from plans that are already laid out for us. So that's what this is, is a little backbone, a little tool for your pocket, you know, that carry with you at all times is, I've got this, I've got to print these off. They're little, like, brochures, and it's got all the verses on it so that you could literally just have it in your wallet and remember it that way. I have a cool testimony with that. It's because I was telling mom, my mom, what we were doing at uh -huh. church, and I told her how we're going through the Bible verses, and I showed her that little handout that he's talking about. Yeah. And she already has someone that she's going to be discipling. Just based off of me telling her what we're doing, she was like, this lady at uh, her work, where she used to work, mentioned the Lord for the first time ever. Wow. This lady's very like into occultism and lots of witchcraft and stuff like that. But she was like, I spent my time meditating and journaling and reading my Bible, and somehow it felt like made me feel better. And mom was like, the Lord. Oh. So my mom's like, I'm going to take her through all those verses you told me about. Yeah. I was like, yes! Yeah. I'm, I haven't even started doing that yeah. yet, and I'm like here. And it's so simple, because... It's, a, it, it's an opportunity to allow that person to discover the Lord on their own. Right. It's no longer me dictating to you what you have to believe, but it's me showing you where to find the, question, the answers to the questions you have, and you fill in the gaps for yourself. You know, if, if that doesn't suffice for your answer, you're good to go. Yeah. But if it is, now you know what to do. You know how to read Scripture. You know what I mean? So this is, a, I think, going to be a really effective way of building disciples. Um, and it's really my approach to help all you guys learn how to do it too so that we have no excuse. Discipleship should not be a hard thing. Discipleship is not for the people that went and got a ministry degree. Right. Discipleship is not for people who are, uh, have the name tag and they're official leaders at their church and recognize and all that stuff. Discipleship, making disciples, is for you, for me, the, the people that, you know, we might not ever have a name tag. You know, and but we're just as important. Um, we are included in the Great Commission. Um, the same Holy Spirit that was in, you know, whatever person, Paul, Peter, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Charles Spurgeon, um, you know, these titans of the faith, the same faith, Holy Spirit that was in them is in each one of you. So it really isn't a matter of. You know how gifted you are it's a matter of how uh open and willing you are to allow the holy spirit to move in you right. cool i'm <laughs> all right i'm open but cautious huh <laughs> <laughs> um so we've gone through five parts so far they've been really good um and this is now part six I can tell you this might be a little heavier because we're going to talk about resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. <laughs> the happiest things. Hooray! Um, this is 
part of the basics of Christianity. Go ahead, Cam. And if I could go so far as to say it's heavy, but it's the one thing that doesn't pop up in any other religion. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, when we talk about how walking with Jesus will cost us, yes, it will cost us, but it'll pay off in the end. Anyway, uh, I'm going to, we got to get into these verses. So, you got your Bibles? Let's go to First or Second Timothy, chapter four. First Timothy, chapter four. First, wait, first or second? Timothy. Second Timothy. Sorry, did I say first again? Uh, what is the category? Sorry, resurrection. From resurrection the from the dead and eternal judgment. Two different ideas. The resurrection from the dead is the idea that, as believers, as Christians, we believe that. We, after we die, that's not the end. That we will physically resurrect with Christ. 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 <laughs> with Christ. Um, and then eternal judgment is the idea that God is a judge. And that at the end of time, He will judge. And He will make harsh judgments that to us seem harsh. But um, it's totally, um, it's holy and perfect. Because He is holy and perfect. Um, and I think this, this, this part here is probably one of the most attacked doctrines in the church today that's not very public, if you will. There's a large following of people that don't believe in hell, that don't believe in judgment, that don't believe in really any of that, that you can basically <clears throat> live your life because of grace and you'll be saved and... It just it saddens me because it misses out on the opportunity to become more like Christ. It's more of managing my religion is what it becomes. And that is not what we're about. We're about becoming Jesus, becoming more like him, becoming more Christ-like. We are not about just uh, going to church and going through the motions. So first Timothy or second Timothy chapter four, verses one through eight. Who wants to read that? Josh raised his hand first. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will put out, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit our own desires, they will gather around a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to those, also to those whom have longed for his appearing. So, a little heavy, but... What stands out to you guys in this passage? <clears throat> Sounds like the day. 
Yeah. A little bit. Just hearing what yeah. you want to hear, like finding a teacher that suits your preferences or right. opinions rather than right. what the truth actually says. That's right. Mama. Mm -hmm. Mommy. <laughs> yeah. What else do y'all see? Uh, verse <clears throat> 5, that it, we're instructed to endure hardships, but also at the same time to uh, do the work of an evangelist. Right. Uh, I think it's so easy nowadays to just kind of write off, well, I have uh, weird reasons, X, Y, Z, why I can't be an evangelist. And right. This completely rules out any, right. anything that you have. Right. Yeah, because Timothy was... A pastor. Yeah. The, that was really his ministry within the fivefold was a shepherd. He was the head overseer of a church. But Paul still tells him, do the work of an evangelist. So you're right. It's like him saying, although you're a pastor, you still are called to do the work of an evangelist, which is preach the gospel and proclaim it to the lost. That's really what that is. So I love that. That stood out to me too. <clears throat> what else shall she? Oh, maybe I'm looking for a little clarification. Mm -hmm. What does he mean by be prepared in season and out of season? So, um, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. You you played soccer, mm -hmm. so being prepared in season. Obviously, when you're playing soccer in the fall, you're staying in shape. You're doing everything you can to get fit. Um, but then the season ends, and for me, it was always spring going into fall was summer. Summer was usually off. You couldn't play summer ball, but I took the summer off because it was way too hot. And then <clears throat> in, the, in that season, most of the time, I wasn't really exercising. I wasn't prepared. So being prepared in season and out of season is like always being ready. When he's talking to Timothy here, um, what verse is that? That is verse 2. Is that 2? It's Preach. also it's also helpful to keep in mind that it's a agricultural picture as well. Oh. Where, where things have like a season where they get planted and a season where they get harvested. Yeah. So he's saying be ready to do the work of the gospel even when it That's doesn't right. seem like it's in season. Yeah. That's right. So like another like way of like putting it, like it's really easy to praise God when things are going well. And like that would be considered like a picture of like in season. Mm -hmm. But yeah. those times where he feels like far away from you would be like out of season right right yeah so that's really what it's talking about and it follows preach the word so it's really about and this is for each one of us not we're not even if we're not pastors per se or teachers or whatever we should always be ready to preach the gospel and not in a way of you're going to hell because bad 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 and i'm going to heaven because i'm good 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 it's a thing of what is your testimony how does the gospel intersect your life? Know that story inside and out so that you can relate with others in a real way. That's really what I see as sharing the gospel, you know, uh, telling my testimony of how the Lord met me because nobody can argue with my testimony. Um, they weren't there. <laughs> they didn't experience what I experienced. So that's, that's, he might not be saying that, and that might be me reading it a little bit into the text, but I think that's okay, is that, Yes, we should know the gospel th theologically, but also know it practically and how it affects our lives so that we connect with others in a manner that's uh, relatable 
So the two things that, like that he does to like build off that to like great patience and careful instruction, I guess really um, interesting that that comes like a couple verses before he talks about mm-hmm. uh, a time will come when itching ears will, will people will ditch sound doctrine right. for to comfortable comfortability right. in the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yep. So this part's this verse is part of the the uh, eternal judgment section, um, and so what um, what stands out to you as following that theme of eternal judgment? It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be a cakewalk. That's right. And um, we're to keep our heads in all. I like the way they said he says yes. it. Keep your head in all situations. Yeah. yeah, that's a real challenge sometimes. Right, right. In season and out. In season, <laughs> out of season. Yeah. Also in in verse eight, mm-hmm. he's talking about how God is the righteous judge. <clears throat> yeah. And the award that all will be given on on the day that He is judged. That's right. Uh, it's in there, basket beside the TV, I think. In the verse where he he says, um, "Keep your head," I looked at the Greek, and it's to be sober, mm-hmm. sober-minded, sober-minded, calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, dispassionate, and circumspect. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorite passages to go to for my my sobriety is a conviction thing, right? And this is one of the passages that pushes yeah. me in that direction. Yeah. 100%. I love it. Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I want to go back to what Cam said is that verse 8 talks about this is the real eternal judgment portion. But Paul's talking about he's ran his race, he's finished, he, he's he's lived a good life. He can look back on it and go, I obeyed. And it's almost too bad, John, because uh, 7 is a good indicator for why Paul might have written. Because <laughs> of the picture of a race. Right, <laughs> right, yes, yes, that is true. Well. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it says that the Lord, who is the righteous judge, will give a crown of what? Righteousness. He's giving of himself. Uh, so this is who and the Lord is. Not only to Paul, but also to everyone else who has left his appearance. Right, I, that part. But that it's it's to everyone else who what loved or longed for his appearing. So we're called Maranatha House. That's the reason we're named Maranatha because we are. It means literally means come, Lord Jesus, and it's not this thing of we're praying and we need him to come tomorrow because we got to go to heaven and get out get out of here. It's it's the saying, Lord. We recognize our need for you here and now. And we're longing for it. We know you're going to come. We know you're here with us right now. But we know you're going to come a second time. Um, There's a theme throughout all these verses with the second coming that I think is so important because so much of the church has lost the uh, zeal to learn about his second coming. So many people have said either, yeah, he's coming back and just left it at that 
um, or they're indifferent. And there's people who really believe that he's already come. Um, and so it's, <clears throat> it changes your mindset as to how you walk out this life when you are not longing for him to return, to do what scripture says of him coming on the clouds and being surrounded by myriads and myriads of angels that every eye shall see and every heart will know. Every knee shall bow. <clears throat> like It's going to be glorious. It's going to be amazing. That should in inspire me to be one full of healthy fear of the Lord because he's coming back. But also, I'm given access to his throne room. And Hebrews talks about come to the throne boldly. So I don't have to be afraid. I can be excited for his return like a bride waiting for the bridegroom. Cool? So God in this passage is the righteous judge. And he is the one that will award us for our, our walking out this life, and the, or running out this life, finishing the race well. Us in this passage, we're the ones that have a race to run. We can choose to limp, to not run the race at all, or to go all in. And if we love his appearing, if we long for his coming, then we will be rewarded with a crown of righteousness. And loving, longing for his appearing, when you do that, it means also a bunch of other things that are unspoken here. Like, I'm going to, if I long for his coming, then I'm going to get my heart right with him. I'm going to repent of things that I'm convicted of. Um, you know, it, there's a lot in that phrase that goes into loving his coming. Repent is not a word that's used very often in today's culture. Mm -hmm. But it surely should be. Yeah. Um, I've seen where people believe that you only have to do that once. Mm -hmm. When you make an initial, uh, when you're introduced to the Lord for the first time. And right. then it's kind of like a, a blanket that right. covers you for the, yes it does, but you still have to be aware of it. That's right. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, really, it, it you you miss out on the power and the love of the Father. And the peace. And the peace. And the peace. I mean, there's so many things we miss out on when we don't enter into a heart of repentance and sanctification of becoming more like Him. So, let's go to the next verse. Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to read verses 42 through 51. Cam, do you want to read that, that one? So this is also during the Olivet Discourse, which the Olivet Discourse is one of Jesus' main sermons ever talking about his return one day and what the, the day of the Lord will look like. And so keep that in mind as we're listening to Cam read this and we're going through this passage is that Jesus is talking about the end times. So go ahead. Matthew 24. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hooray! <laughs> Real positive one. You don't hear that one in worship songs. <laughs> Save us from Yes. Please don't cut me in pieces. Well, you do, but it's the... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> what stands out to you guys here? He's really kind of explaining the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of the parable of the ten virgins, which is the next mm-hmm. parable he talks mm-hmm. about. Because you have the virgins yeah. that were ready and stayed ready with right. the oil in their lamps, right. and then you have the ones that were like, oh, we'll figure it out when it when that happens. Yeah. And by the time it was happening, it was too late. Yeah. And so that makes me feel the cut them in two. And Jesus is like, I never knew you. You weren't ready. Right. You don't know me. Right. It's very, uh, I don't know, harsh is the right word. It's just very drastic measures. And you do not want to be on the wrong side. That's right. It's a clear choice. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like the uh, passage of the the ten virgins. Mm Mm-hmm. And the door was shut. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't get in. Right. Right. Yeah, I was just talking to Mo when she brought that up to me uh, last night, was it? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> just the thought of, like, there's a lot of people that think, like, that are procrast- I'm a procrastinator, right? So all throughout college, I would wait till literally the night before for, like, a huge test. Like, my finals week, I didn't study till the night before. Actually, my senior capstone project, like, my thesis paper, like, a, uh, I had to write at, like, third... 40 pages, 40, 50 pages. Do the paper that you're supposed to be writing for your <clears throat> For a whole semester. semester. And have like peer-reviewed journal articles, like 12 of them, and like cited and all that stuff. I did it the night before. Started at 9, 9 p.m. and finished at 11.45, 15 minutes before class. And I had to give a presentation. And I got a 96 on it. What's up? <laughs> Not a good lesson for a guy like me. How much of that info do you remember? Actually, you know what? Surprisingly a lot, but that I shouldn't. Most of the other not, stuff... It's not a testimony of like, what's that the is, right thing to do. No, that, <laughs> I, I was going to say, that was a bad lesson for me to learn, because when it comes to the wait second coming the of last Christ... Last minute, God. Right. <laughs> if, I, if I wait till the last minute with Christ, like if I say, I'm just going to go and follow my own way, like, I've got time, you know, as soon as you start saying, well, he hasn't come back yet, watch out, you're in danger, bad, 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 not good, you know, like... 
we have to be as if, we have to be thinking as if he could return at any moment. That every choice I make could be the last choice I ever make before I stand before Jesus riding on the clouds with myriads, meaning thousands and thousands of angels, meaning numerous, uncountable angels, heaven invading earth. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, I will know, woe is me, like Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, or woe is me for just choosing the bad choice <laughs> right before you got back. We have to live prepared. And here's the thing. We can take this to the extreme of super legalistic, I'm never going to do anything bad because Jesus could come back at any second. Like, if you made a mistake right before he came back, that doesn't, that's not going to negate your salvation, right? You know, we have to keep this thing in perspective. It's the idea that my life, I'm living before an audience of one that could be back at any point in time, and I want to be ready for him. <clears throat> and there's a difference between, like, fear that is a sin and healthy fear of the Lord that's like, I love him so much, I don't want to, like, hurt him. Yeah. I don't want to go against what he says. Yes. Yeah, and so if you're living in that place, you're living from a place of healthy fear of the Lord that leads you to love. That's right. You won't have to be afraid when he comes back because right. you'll be ready because you're already in communion with him. That's right. This is not a message to put fear, just general fear into your heart that just paralyzes you. Right. It's like healthy fear called you to action. Yeah. You're yeah. going to have an attitude of expectancy, mm -hmm. not one like I heard Dick's dad say one time, we were sharing something with him, and he said, oh, They've always been saying that ever since I was a kid, they keep talking about the Lord coming back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not the attitude of an expectant heart. Right. 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 Honestly, it's the, <laughs> it's the attitude of an unbelieving heart. It doesn't take God at his word. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You can see why, why the, the writers of the New Testament valued a healthy eschatology. And it wasn't about knowing the time, the exact season, all that stuff. It was about knowing that he is coming back. That's why the book of Revelation is such a gift to the church, that God would unveil his plan in a way that we can understand. And not that we're going to know the exact time, but we're gonna, we know what it's going to look like. And we know what he's expecting of us. The first two chapters, or the first, second and third chapter of Revelation is the letter to the churches, which we can go read those and <clears throat> be convicted of today. You know, it still stands true today. This is what the Lord expects of us. Don't be like this, be like that. For if you are like this in a good way, I will reward you. Gee, there's a lot of crowns mentioned in uh, the those chapters in the churches where Jesus promises to reward those who have been faithful. And that's scripture too. He is a rewarder of those who believe or have faith or diligently seek him. Right. Yeah, I'm just being the amplified version of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I think that's really, I think that's really good. I love how this verse talks about in verse 46. It says, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him doing so. Meaning, he wasn't sitting in his closet praying and asking the Lord to come back and not doing anything that he was supposed to do in the first place. 
that once again, this is going back to that, we can take this whole thing out of context. The best way you can honor the Lord's approach, like his coming, is by living as if he's coming and doing the things he said, which was feed the, feed the hungry, give clothes to the, the, the naked, to love the, the ones who are marginalized, the widows and orphans. I mean, there's so many different commands of Scripture. Um, so Jesus wants to come back and see us taking care of his house. It's like my mom used to leave me at home to go to the grocery store all the time. She would always give me a couple of things to do. By the time she came back, if I was doing well, I would have had them already done or in the middle of doing them. And when that happened, she was happy. She was. But when I was outside playing and nothing had been done, not happy. I experienced some wrath. So, <laughs> so who is God in this passage? He's the master. The master of the house. What is the house to which he's referring? Church. Creation. Creation. Heaven? Church. Got it. Can be a little bit of all of them. Um, but it's it's a call back to Genesis. What was man's original original uh, mandate? To fill the earth and subdue. That's right. To cultivate, fill the earth, subdue, take that garden that God had given him and expand it to the ends of the earth. It's still our call today. To bring the kingdom of heaven, to partner with God to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So who are we in this passage? Hopefully the righteous. <laughs> That's right. Hopefully the righteous. But don't be afraid to identify with the, the wicked one. Because if you are with that, it's time to repent. It's time to change. Today is the day. Cool? All right. Next passage, just flip your page. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. Who wants to read this one? Who's that? Me. You? Cool. Go ahead. What was the verses again? Sorry. Matthew chapter 25, 31. verse 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. 
I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. <clears throat> Pretty intense. Mm-hmm. What do y'all see here? Words. <laughs> no. It feels a little. This is me, just being yeah, me. Just but being. it feels a little like Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows oh. when you're awake. <laughs> you know, like. You know, he saw you when you ignored that homeless person on your ride home. Right. Like, right. an elf on a shelf. Yeah, so, <laughs> which is kind of making light of something that's really, actually, really heavy. Yeah. Um, but it just, to me, goes to show that it's, in, like, the little things that you think to do for somebody you don't know, mm. like, those are important to the Lord. Yeah. You know, um, like, being friendly to somebody <clears throat> that you don't necessarily know or care about. Yeah. Or just going out of your way to help somebody yeah is something that's not really inconvenient to you but it means everything to the kingdom that's right that's right yep because <clears throat> when we walk like that when, when when we have a heart uh say like monica every time she drives down to the city of richmond she sees a homeless person and she just is like i just gotta go love on them and pulls over and just goes and loves on them nobody sees that nobody knows her she's not getting famous or popular for that nobody told her to do it the holy spirit might not have even said anything but because she's become so much like her father her heart can't stop can't help but to jump out of the car and run over and hug this guy you know or the the widow or the orphan these these people that are like the least of these they got people in prison going and doing prison ministry the Lord is, you've got to remember the context he's talking to is a lot of these Jewish people who had become so legalistic that they thought they were safe by performing the law. But their heart was so far from the Lord's. They had taken the law and perverted it. God's law was always good because God's law always pointed them back to loving him. All the law is summed up in this. Love God, love yourself, Love your neighbor. That's all of the law <laughs> in one verse. So the law was meant to get you to pour out, be a servant to all. And so in this context, there are Pharisees, Sadducees, all the other C's that were, you know, uh, following all the, the laws, doing all the, the right things, the good things. They, wore their robes and went out on the street corners and prayed really loudly so that everyone saw how pious they were. And Jesus says to them, you have your reward in full. Depart from me. Because you don't even know me. If you knew me, you would love the least of these. That's how God cuts through to the heart. It's very, I mean, it just, to me, when I read this stuff, I mean, I see how harsh it is. But I just see the wisdom of God. 
It's like Solomon, when Solomon tells the ladies to cut the baby in half because they're arguing over whose it is. And then the one lady's like, don't do it, please, whatever you do, just let the other lady have it. And then Solomon knows, oh, it's this woman. Because no mother would ever want to kill their child or see that happen. And um, so it just, um, it reveals so much of the father's heart, I think. I think we in the West have been deeply, deeply deceived by the prayer to get us into heaven. Mm-hmm. If you just pray the prayer today, brother, you're going to go to heaven. Walk the aisle. That's right. How come when the rich young ruler went up to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, pray the prayer? <laughs> See it? Right there on the wall. Just follow it. A, B, C's. A, I admit. B, I believe. C, I confess. <laughs> <laughs> No. The, the prayer is good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good prayer for a starting point. But we have deceived people into thinking that because they've prayed the prayer, that they've inherited eternal life. And what we're going to see through all these scriptures is that you don't know if you've inherited eternal life until the judge comes on the scene. And it's not based on, did you pray a prayer? It's based on, did you perform the law, the heart of the law? Did you love others? Did you love Jesus? Did you love God? Did you learn to love yourself? I mean, really, that's, that's the only way we can see. So this whole thing's a journey. So I just, I point that out, that praying the prayer is a... It's a starting point. <clears throat> it's a good starting point, but it's not the end all. Mm-hmm. And we have deceived people to think that... And I'm not saying that if you prayed the prayer, you were wrong. It's just, saying, it kind of feels like a necessary starting point. Right? It, it, it is. It is. There's other starting points. Uh, just, I, I, the, it's not the. It's just the fact that we've turned it into fire insurance. Yeah. You pray the prayer today. You get your card. You put it in your wallet, and then, when everyone dies, the Lord passes over, and it's like, oh yeah, he's got his card on him. He's good. Prayed the prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pray the prayer. What else stands out to y'all in this verse? Uh, when he talks about um, how people helped each other, I guess it was in a sense helping Jesus mm-hmm. or God. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some sense, it reminds me of that Kendrick Lamar lyric. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. I knew you were going to say that at some point, so I had to say it myself. I actually wasn't, but since you brought it up, Kendrick Lamar, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think... And it's probably just because I live here, so I, I, we see it more because we live here. But I think an issue of, of us uh, on, on this side of the globe, I can't speak for the other side because I don't live there. But I think one of the issues, too, over here is like it's, it's very like me, me, me all the time. Yes. A lot of, a lot of what I see is like um, people that are struggling or, or, or need help or are seeking help. A lot of it's like, go help yourself. You can do it yourself. I did it myself. Why can't you do it yourself? And I've seen that a lot, and I think that's like probably one of the worst or the most frustrating parts. And I'm a part of it. I've done it too. But it's like, I think in a sense an epidemic here because everyone's turning their backs on each other. That's right. Um, And that is the worst. Not good. Well, there's so many scriptures about, like, at the end times, what we'll need to get through it, and it's each other. Mm, right. <laughs> it's exhortation of, like, our faith. It's building one another up. It's loving one another right. well. 
or else we'll be prey to fall just like everyone else is mm -hmm. falling. Right. So teaching yourself that you can handle everything yourself will not help you survive in the long run. Mm -hmm. That's right. We need each other. Yeah. yeah. As you live your life selflessly, it's easy when you go to the grocery store to find somebody who drops something and you bend down and pick it up for right. them. Uh, or hold the door, or anything. Just uh, somebody who's going through their purse trying to get enough money, and you got a dollar. Yeah. Just, just hand them that dollar. Right. And then there's the, the, the bigger scene is uh, like when Katrina um, hit in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. People got in their cars and trucks and churches. They took water and diapers right. and whatever the case was yeah. there. Yeah. And I remember years ago that um, there was a flood that came down from Canada, the uh, river between Minnesota and North and South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going to take my grandson and go up there. Right. And they said, if you don't have a four-wheel drive, don't come. Don't do it. Everything was mud. Yeah. 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 But see, those people needed help. Right. You know, right. sandbags and whatever the, the case might be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just always think about when I read this part as well, is how Jesus exemplified how we are supposed to walk in this life. Philippians 2, that he emptied himself, that he... Um, did not equate equality with God as something to be attained, but instead through serving and washing each other's feet, he loved those in front of them. I think about that all the time. Like, I know so many Christians that take being a Christian as like a privilege thing of like, I don't have to do that, or I don't need to go in these areas, or you know, I lead in the church, so I don't need to go talk to these other people. You know, I'm I'm a pastor. I'm not called to evangelism. No, no, you're wrong. Um, and I love when this passage is talking about like the righteous, the righteous, when Jesus tells them, good job, you know, you fed me, you did all these things. And they're like, huh, we did? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you did it when you did it for the least of these. So it shows this heart of the righteous that wasn't just looking at people as if they were little gods. And, like, let me go to this person just so I can, you know. Just in case. So I can love this homeless person just in case this is Jesus today. Right. But it's seeing the person, seeing the heart of the Father for that person. Mm -hmm. And it's, God rewards that heart. And they were just like, who? <laughs> who was it? I'm trying to remember. None of those people looked like Jesus. <laughs> you know? And then the unrighteous are, like, shocked. They're like, what do you mean? Who who are the people that we missed? When did I miss Jesus? I would have known. I would have known if it was the Messiah, because I know the Scripture. I know what the Messiah is supposed to look like. Don't let me get on my Peter tangent. You killed him. <laughs> so that's why we have uh, social services. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, send them to uh, the county or something. Get them. Social welfare, right? Right. That kind of. Yeah. 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 The only way to pass this test is to become love. 
There's really no other way around it. Thank you. I'm amazed at the number of people who have, who will thank you for talking to me. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't get over that. Um, that we've become a society where we don't interact yeah. with people. Yeah. Yep. That's it. So we have an uphill battle, mm -hmm. especially in a society of technology and cars and all this stuff. It's a challenge, but we have to commit to it. So I think it's pretty clear the father is the king who separates the goats and the shepherd or the sheeps. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also the the righteous judge, and he blesses those who were righteous. Um, and he curses those who are cursed it is very important to see that there is really no uh, middle ground there's no black and white he says for the cursed depart from me and be banished basically into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels Everlasting fire means never-ending. It's not a, you have to suffer for a few months to pay for it and then you'll be annihilated, as some would believe. It is an eternal fire prepared for those who follow Satan. You see that it, it labels the devil and his angels. There's another scripture that talks about, uh, I think it's Jesus, where he says, like, you're of your, your father, the devil. Or he call somebody saying that their father is the devil um, I want to be fathered by the Lord not the devil so we are the ones either doing the righteous thing or not doing the righteous thing becoming love or not becoming love so really the best thing we can do to obey here like I said is to become love to become more like Jesus And as we become, we, we step out of our comfort zone. We go put ourselves in the positions or in the places where we run into and intersect with the least of these. At a bare minimum, everywhere we walk, we have our eyes open and our heads on a swivel looking for that one that Christ might highlight. Cool? All right, we're going to do one more today. Revelation chapter 20. Yeah, I figured this one would be a little longer. So we'll split this one into two. Um, a lot of verses. So we're going to read Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Who wants to read that for us today? Cool. Go ahead, babe. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. 
and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. From all these verses today, we could start a pretty good doom metal band. What stands out to you all? If your name's not written in the book of life, you've missed it. That's right. That's right. And that, probably, the book of life thing, probably deserves a whole day of teaching, because there's a lot to it. How do you, you get your name in the book of life? How, how do I get my name not written in the book of life? You know, what is this book of life? Where is it? Um... But you're right. I want my name written in the book of life. And you want it to stay there. That's right. That's right. Yep. Because it can be blotted out. <clears throat> uh, you said the thing about Santa Claus, Erica. Yeah. And this is another Santa Clausian thing. It's He's got books. He's got books and a book called the book of life. But from the books, he's checking to see. It's, it, it, there, there are all kinds of different religions that have the same theme of mm-hmm. record of right and wrong. Um, so, this is a uh, common. I feel a little overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> like everything, all my things are in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're not open. Yeah, yeah, that's vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Right, is there going to be? An, I hope there's not an audience. <laughs> Probably is. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the least of your worries. Then uh, be in front of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your game chats are in there. It, it's not like when you go to the Catholic priest and you go inside. Oh. <clears throat> no, not going to be like that. Just open a little window. This is also a reason why we we push everyone to be vulnerable. Right. You know, I'm not saying you have to come in here and tell me your deepest, darkest secrets, like, or do it publicly. But finding people that you can trust, that you can share those things with, mm-hmm. because Scripture is very clear: everything that's hidden in the dark will be brought to the light. Mm-hmm. I would rather it be brought to the light. Now, when I have a chance to work out my salvation, become more like Christ, give him those things, than him reveal it to me later on. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I knew that I struggled with that, but why didn't you talk about it? Why didn't you bring it up? Why am I just now bringing this to the light? Uh, all your excuses will just fade in that moment. There will be no excuse that will stand. And on the positive side of this, in Malachi chapter 4, it says, um, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Right. And the Lord listened and heard. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Yeah. So when you sit and have a good conversation and encourage one another, that's also being recorded. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
This is once again another <laughs> reason why we've gotten it wrong with the prayer thing. Because, well, when I prayed the prayer, I, it was all about the prayer. Nobody mentioned anything about works. <laughs> Nobody mentioned anything about I thought good works were evil. I thought doing works was bad. Everyone in my church told me that it was about grace and not works. <laughs> Sorry, son, you've been deceived. <laughs> it is about grace so that you're free to do good works. We've gotten it all wrong. The more that we, we, we become like Jesus, the more we will do good works. And it won't be a performative thing. Like I, My suggestion to anybody who becomes a Christian the first day isn't go out and do good works. It's get alone with the Father and listen to Him. As you become more like Him, you become a good tree that produces good fruit. You begin to produce good works without even thinking about it because you've just become more like your Father. That is the only way to pass the test. You can try to do good works. You will burn out. Good works are a product of the Holy Spirit living inside of you mm -hmm. and you yielding to his leadership. I was telling you this lesson when we were talking about it, but it's like remembering that the Lord disciplines those he loves yeah. and that you are yeah, a biological son. Like you've been adopted and he corrects his children. Right. If you are not being corrected by the Lord, you are an illegitimate child. Right. Right. So it's very important to like check yourself. Have I let the Lord correct me? Have I let my brothers in Christ correct me? Like, am I being humble enough to see areas where I need to grow? Yeah. And grow towards it. Grow yeah. towards life. Yeah. yeah. Love you guys. Bye y'all. This was uh what Moses shared was something I feel like the Lord shared with me Wednesday night <clears throat> with um, all the spiritual gift stuff going on. It's like, I'm really excited we're pursuing the gifts. I felt really heavily from the Lord that we have not preached the severity of sin and repentance in the church as much as we should. We've done a really good job about talking about theology and you know differing opinions and allowing room for stuff, you know, different stuff like that. But I feel very convicted that I haven't preached strongly about sin and that sin in your life needs to be dealt with. It doesn't mean that you're unsaved or that you're going to go to hell. It basically is you missing the mark and that the, the reason we want to deal with sin is so that we can allow the Father to love us. You know, it's like your heart is a, a house with many rooms, with many doors. And sin locks the doors. Sin closes off parts of your heart to the Father. So when you invite the Holy Spirit in, yeah, He can come in. But He's a gentleman. Jesus never just kicks down the door. He's going to come to your door and knock. Knock. And you'll feel it in your life. You'll have times in your life where you're like thinking about it. Like, man, I really don't feel connected to the Lord. Or I feel like I've been doing not good stuff. That is an opportunity to allow the Father in. To admit, look, Lord, I've messed up. I've looked at things I shouldn't have looked at. I've done things I should have never done. I have not done the things that I should do. I have not been a person by word. I have not sought you out. I mean, getting really brutally honest and admitting and then saying, I want to change. Holy Spirit, give me the power to change.
The Bible calls it, grant me repentance. Give me the ability to turn so that I can walk with you instead of away from you. If we're not preaching repentance in our church, then it gives off the facade that everything's all good, man. It's all grace, brother. And yeah, it is all grace. But grace is not this stagnant thing of like a stamp that just says you're good to go. Grace is the power to change. Grace is empowerment so that you don't have to be uh, captive in sin, so that you don't have to be captive by lust, that you don't have to be captive by passivity, that you don't have to be imprisoned by fear or anxiety or doubt or all these things we struggle with. It is the key, the power to walk out of the jail cell, to walk into freedom, to walk into all that heaven has promised for us. The inheritance that God has for each one of us. I don't know about you, but I want that. I don't know why I choose to live my life half-hearted. Or choose sin. But I want to be on a journey where I'm learning to choose Him. And so, um, Well, that passage uh, where the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's right. That's right. For us. That's right. Yes. Not for the guy going down the street there. You know, yeah. Uh, but right here in River City. Right. River City. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is an opportunity for all of us to take the text more serious. To take our lives more serious. And I, the last thing I want you, because I, I know it feels weighty. I know it probably feels heavy. The Lord is not, uh, the things you struggle with are not uncommon to him. When, uh, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way in which a man can be tested. Meaning, he knows what it feels like to be like, there's nothing I can do, or woe is me, or I don't want to do this, or... I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I'm afraid. He's been tempted every one of those ways. And he didn't, he didn't have fun with it. It wasn't like he just said, okay, now I'm done struggling because I'm better than this. The, when he heads into the wilderness and is tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and then uh, Satan comes out and starts challenging him. I mean, he's sweating blood at this point. Have you ever been so stressed out that you sweat blood? No. He was literally sweating blood. Doctors would have been like, yo, get out of there. Come on, we got to check you out. You're too skinny. You know, you've lost way too much weight. You've done all these things. He was living off the command of his father, trusting that his father had his back on every step. The same, the same way that the father interacts with Jesus, he wants to interact with you. He wants to be the one that is speaking in your life daily. He wants you to hear his voice every morning when you wake up, every night when you go to bed, throughout the day. Jesus says, I do nothing of my own accord. If I do what I see the Father doing and I hear him doing, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And so, um, yeah, I think we're going to end it here. And um, I want us all to be 
to embrace the heaviness that's here right now. That's called the fear of the Lord. It's the idea that God is not to be mocked. That at the end of the day, yes, he's my friend. Yes, he's my, my brother. But he's also the king. He's also the creator of the universe. He's also a judge. And I need to treat him as such. So, um, we're just going to take some time and pray. Um, I'll start, and if anybody feels like they want to pray, the thing I'm like seeing happen in my head right now is that if you feel convicted, if I started talking about the sin thing, or anything we were talking about, and you felt like, this is what I need to change, or this is something I need to talk about, I want to encourage you, if you felt that, now is the time. There is freedom when you open your mouth. As soon as the light shines on that thing, the Father's love comes rushing in. All shame leaves until you are filled with perfect love, perfect peace. It is okay to let the light shine in on the dark things. It is not something to be ashamed of. So if there was something as I, as I taught that popped up, I just want to encourage you to just pray it out. Pray it to the Lord. If you, if you don't want to speak out loud, talk to me or Mo afterwards. But I really want to encourage you to do it out loud because I think there's power in it. We're all family here. This, this stuff does not go outside. This is family matters. I'm actually going to stop the recording. Um, actually, I'm going to pray my part, and then I'll stop the recording. So, um, Yeah, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that um, you love us, that you pursue us, that you don't let us go too far until we're too far, that you give us opportunities, that you give us chances, and that your heart is genuinely for us, that your heart is not to expose us for the sake of exposing, but your heart is, or your heart is to expose us so that we can be open to receiving more of your love, so that we can become more like you. You are the baptism of fire that burns away all the chaff. I want the chaff burned out of my life, Father. I'm tired of being passive. I'm tired of choosing things that I don't want to do, but continuing to go back to them. I'm tired of not being a man of integrity that does what I say I'm going to do. And I repent. I repent. But I can't do it alone. I need grace. I need your empowerment to change, Father. So would you give that to me today? So that I can walk more fully in what you've called me to do. So that I can accept you in a deeper way. I just invite you, Holy Spirit, just come rest in this place. Continue to convict each of us of sin um, so that you can open us up and fill us up. I bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. And as always... 
Maranatha, come Lord Jesus.